0: Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting his word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. At some point in your life, if you're like me, growing up as a little American boy, You dreamed that one day perhaps you could be the president of the United States of America. I've dreamed that. Vote for James D. Lowe, (laughs) president of the United States of America. Hallelujah. God bless me. (laughs) And it's not just me. I know that some of you thought that you would be the president um, by now and for some it's not too late. But uh, one of the reasons I was motivated to be president may be similar to yours is because when you're young, everybody tells you what to do. But the president, nobody tells them what to do. You just feel like that's the power. And people usually want power because power is synonymous with control and dominance and not being controlled and being dominated. And so we, we have these illusions about it. So that's why it was a bit shocking when in our nation, the perceived first minority president was President Obama because somebody from the minority position took a majority position and seemingly from a, a, a seat of no power to a, to a seat of power. And, and during that time, it was like, um, uh, I remember him making a statement about not being able to get certain policies done. And he said, I can either do this through a phone where we can talk about the policies and the things and we can come to a, a reasonable conclusion, or I can do it through my pen, executive order. There's something about when the person in power doesn't flex their power, you forget they have power. But then when they flex on you, you say, oh, something's different. And, and this was not just the tradition of President Obama. I mean, the President Trump, executive order. You know, God bless our current president, President Biden, has only 87 executive orders. They are, they are triple as much, both of them, you know. But this is not a new concept. The executive order has been, I think, uh, kind of uh, tracked since 1926. Uh, and do you know who has delivered the most executive orders as the president of the United States? And just, just yell out a name for fun. Wrong. I just, I just what she say? Yeah, you see, you was in the last service. You can't just say the whole thing. See, that's cheating. The next time, you you have lost your voting. (laughs) Theodore Roosevelt, do you know who number two is? (laughs) Woodrow Wilson. But the point is, is that when you're in that office, no matter what people think about you, you can have a moment where you flex your authority and make it clear it means something in the free world to be the president of the United States of America. And that's happened. And, and you gotta make a decision when they use their pen whether you're gonna be in submission or opposition. It can't take away your right to choose, but it does put you in a position where you're going to either be under the authority by a submission of your will to the, to, to the authority, or you're gonna be in opposition now, when the person we want leading has the pen, you happy. Oh, they did everything I wanted them to do. <laughs> Let the person you didn't vote for get the pen. Oh, they full of the devil. Full of the, look at that, look at that. Look at the Satan, not today. Let me call it, instead of praying for them, you're calling them Satan. Just every, every evil thing. Because it's not our person. I don't actually perceive that in our current world that we have a, a overly a, a problem of understanding authority, even if we don't, aren't comfortable with it or don't want to be under it, we understand it. I think our bigger problem is not with human authority, but with Christ Jesus' authority in our life. And I believe that believers have this problem with His authority, and I believe that others have a problem because it's kind of like it, it could feel like, why would I listen to him if you don't actually know him? And that's the problem. And, I, and then today, what's gonna happen is we're gonna, Jesus is gonna show us through this text who he is so we can know who we are. He's gonna show us what he does so we can know what we should do. And we're gonna have a question we get to answer Are we in submission to his authority or are we in opposition? Because today, you're gonna be forced to declare one or the other. And you won't be able to do it just by saying, oh yeah, I think, I think I'm that, we're gonna, we're gonna test it. We're gonna test it out, all right? Let's uh, go to Matthew 28, and why don't we read together just the first two verses and then I'll, I'll contextualize it and we'll get to preaching this message. Ready, with strength, clarity, and unity, read. Okay, stop right there, that's good enough, that's good enough. Now, they went to Galilee. Well, what was they doing before? Remember Easter Sunday? The women in Jesus' life was getting everything right. Hey, women, that was your chance to amen and we could have a moment together, and then I'm gonna say, the women in the Bible story were getting everything right. Yeah, amen, amen, Pastor, amen, yeah. (laughs) The, the men was, they was, you know, slow on the uptake. The tomb was empty. They were getting there. They had the word from the, from the women, from the angel. They had all of these signs, but the scripture says they saw all of this empty tomb, and they could not remember what Jesus said, and they did not believe. They were still in crisis. Jesus had told them in Matthew 26 Before, two two chapters before 28, he says, when I die, I want all of y'all to immediately meet me in Galilee. But they're still in Jerusalem, hanging out, fellowshipping with one another, in a room, eating food, and Jesus, after all the messages he sent, and all the word he's given, has to walk into their house through the wall, not through the front door, He said it is I don't know how he did it, but I just, you know, it is I Jesus. (laughs) You know, this dramatic version. And he and he begins to give them a presentation of his power, a presentation of his authority. He takes his executive status and and says, Hey, I'm here. And he doesn't come with an angry message to them. He comes and invites them closer. He said, come touch me, feel me, see me. Let's eat something together. This is how I know there will be meals in heaven because when Jesus got up, he did sit with his disciples and he ate. For those of you who are wondering if God will eliminate food in heaven, I got good news for you. He called for some fish. I don't know how that's gonna work out theologically. Because death will be done with, but we're going to be eating. <laughs> anyway, that's just for fun. And, and, he, and he goes, and, and now, but Thomas wasn't there. And, and, and he said, I, I'm, I'm not going to believe. But let, let's pick the story up so you can see that he has a group of disciples who have instructions. But they're slow to act on them. Does that remind you of anybody that you know? Maybe yourself? It's not an ignorance sometimes to the instructions. Sometimes there's not enough faith or confidence to act on what God has already shown you. And the good news about Jesus is he'll still come and sit with you. He'll still come and be with you. He was with the disciples even when they were not with him. So even when we are faithless, he remains faithful to the word. They had an appointment in Galilee, and the scripture says, when they had done what he directed. Uh, another word says, what, said, directed, what he had ordered, the instruction he'd given with the authority that was given to him. When they had finally obeyed, when they finally recognized, when they finally woke up, they ended up in Galilee where he said, delayed obedience is disobedience. Where has God asked you to be? What has God asked you to do that you are delaying? And who told you you had the right to do so? The disciples who walk with Jesus found themselves in this level of a compromise. So I can imagine that I, who do not walk with Jesus as closely as they did, could find myself in those compromises. But they did as he directed. So they had a season where they were in opposition to his authority. And now we see that they're in submission to the authority, but they had two con- contrasting groups of people, those who saw him and worshiped and those who saw him and doubted. Both the worshiper and the doubter were in the same place, seemingly participating in the same activity. I want you to know that worshipers have come to the conclusion that he is worthy uh, based on who he says he is of all the praise, all the glory and all honor and they remember everything it is, they come to their senses and they surrender their whole life and their whole will to him. Doubters are just on their way but they're not quite there yet. Doubters are in that transition to where if doubt can turn into sin and disobedience or doubt can, can, can turn into full revelation and acceptance and submission to God. Doubt can turn into opposition or it can turn into submission. But I love that Jesus shows up in the life of a doubter. Have you ever been a doubter? But yet still been, because com- to keep coming to worship, even if you doubt. Keep coming to your small group, even if you doubt. Keep doing all the little things that, that prove that you're on your way toward God, even when you're in doubt, even when he lets you out. So now, what can make these people doubt with all that they know and all that they've been through? You, you would think that they would be in remembrance of all that Jesus had done and not have to doubt. Here's what I think would cause them to doubt. For Timothy, doubt was that he didn't want to believe the message from other people. He needed to see it for himself. Are you one of those people? Who unless God gives me a personal presentation of who he is, I refuse to receive the information from any other person. That was... Uh, 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 not Timothy, Thomas. Did I say Timothy? Why didn't y'all correct me? Know your Bible. Come on now. Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Then Jesus shows up seven days after he originally showed up to the disciples and he comes in to Thomas. He said, I want you to touch me. Put your fingers in my hand. And he says, You know, he, he said, Lord, now I believe. He said, you believe because you see, but blessed are those who believe and they don't see. In other words, God's saying that is not a prerequisite, that is not a requirement, but that's what I'm willing to do if you have doubt that you can't get rid of. That's what I love about God, that the mercy of God will reach you at whatever level you're at. He wants the highest level is just to trust him, him blind, but if you can't do that, he'll keep on manifesting himself to you until you see him. But he still had doubt. Another person that we look at that had had doubt during Jesus' life was was John the Baptist. Now, this is interesting. That was his cousin. I like to say, Cuz. He saw his cousin coming and he said something when he was on. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He talks to Jesus. He said, I must decrease. You gotta increase. He said, Jesus, you want me to baptize him? Jesus said, yes, to feel all right. He baptized Jesus, heaven opened up, the spirit descends on him like a dove and the father speaks, this is my beloved son to whom I'm well pleased. Yet John asked his disciples to go ask Jesus while he was in prison if he was the one or not. That looked like that. You said he was the one. Have you ever preached to somebody and realized you wasn't sure if you believe what you just said? that was John. And he told John, I want, he said, go back to John and tell him the leper is clean, the dead is raised, the blind have their eyes open, and, you know, and, and, the, and the poor have the gospel preached to them and blesses every man who is not offended in me. Because what happened to John that prompted doubt is the fact that he ended up in jail after all he did was serve God. He ended up in jail and he was the only one saying repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He ended up in jail because he actually spoke out against poor leadership. And Jesus did not take his authority and use his pen and his executive to fix John's situation and John said because you're not fixing my stuff I got the question of you even who you say you are because the disciples and John and everybody had Jesus uh, configured to an earthly presentation that they could actually stomach Jesus is going to solve all of our physical problems and if he does that we will be in submission to his will because he's aligned with us and if he doesn't do this we're in opposition to his will at least our heart is saying wait, wait a minute What's going on here? Has Jesus ever delayed helping you with something and it gives you the right to withhold from him what he wants your whole heart, your whole life? What, Jesus? You know, pay my student loans off and then maybe we can talk about how I can give you more time, but until then, I got to work three jobs. I can't help you, Jesus. Jesus, fix my spouse and then maybe I'll, I'll talk about me and you doing some stuff. Jesus, get me out of the situations of my life that are, that are really troubling to me, and then I'll, I'll, I'll surrender. See, it's a silent negotiation. You don't say those deliberate words, but all of your lifestyle and your behavior, uh, it, 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 it says this. And he goes on, Jesus, but he finally has them where he wants them. They're in Galilee. They're in the right position. Some are worshiping, some are doubting, but it doesn't matter. Jesus is saying, I'm going to show up show up at the appointed time. He shows up, and this is what he says when he shows up, verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I want you to help you understand the, 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 the emotional emphatic statement. It's as if Jesus has been, since the time he's raised from the dead, you can see it's gentle purposeful version of Jesus that is walking with them on the road to Emmaus, this showing up to dinners and fellowshipping with them, this breathing on them and saying, receive the Holy Spirit, this giving them an encouraging words, and yet they're delaying 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 their obedience, and he's being patient, and he finally gets them to the destination that they were supposed to be in so he can get his work started a week later, and he finally says to them, now let me be clear, I've got all authority, I've got all of the power I know you're disappointed that I did not remove the Romans, but I've got all the power I know you're disappointed that the Sanhedrin is still in place, the Judaizers are still in place, and I'm not physically reigning on a throne making your life easy. I know, but I have all the power. I know you're still a fugitive. I know you don't know what's going on with your lives. I know you don't have direction. I know you're a little bit confused, but I've got all power in everything in you that's been telling you that even though I'm raised from the dead, that life and the circumstances of life are still the same. It's a lie. I've got all the power on earth, that means there's nothing that touches your mentality, your spirit your or your life that I don't control or have something to do with, and heaven is a agreement with me, I have all power and all access yes. sometimes Jesus has got to set us straight yeah. because there's other voices telling you that they have power Satan is telling you he has power he yes. yes. said, you might as well taste that again do it again
1: you, 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 don't,
0: you can't help it do It again, he tells you he has power to hold you to tell you what to do to ruin your life. Remember, though, he had to get permission to tempt Job from God, he had to get permission to, to sift Peter as wheat. He, you know, he, he, even when it, when, 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 um, well, I won't say that yet. So, so you got Satan, he he opposes a power, and then you've got your flesh that will war against your spirit, that will always tell you, we don't have to do what he said. He made the rule, but I don't have to submit to it. He made the standard, but I don't have to do it. Because yes, you might be the authority, but I'm the authority of me. I choose whether I'm going to be in submission or opposition. And the reality is, we worship without resolving whether or not we're going to be in full submission to him. And that conditions us to think we're okay. That's what they did. The other thing is the world. The world will dictate to you what you can and cannot do, what you should and shouldn't do. This in opposition to the word of God. And then it'll tell you, be quiet about that. How many times has you as a believer been silenced without somebody directly telling you not to say something, but it's politically incorrect for you to challenge somebody's immorality or this encroaching upon society or the will or work of God. And we choose to be silent because the reprisal or the backlash is just too big. That's the world having power. Jesus is showing up, saying, I got all power. I've got all power. I love how Romans 13 says, let every soul be subject to the higher power, for there is no power, but the power of God. The powers that be are ordained by God. Therefore, he that resists the power resists the ordinance or the command of God and can heap damnation unto himself. For he bears not the sword of man. He's talking about how he empowers other people to execute his his judgment and his right. He's got the power, and if he's got the power, and you're in submission, then you should be able to prove it through your life and lifestyle. So I told you at the beginning of this message you were gonna be asked the question whether you're in submission or opposition. And the next two verses that we're about to read, I'm about to have you read, are gonna tell you whether or not you're in submission or opposition. So when you begin to read them, I want you to grade yourself. I want you to ask yourself, am I working with God or against God? Am I submitted to God or not? And I want you to think about this, just this, this being written just to them, this is, this is for all of us. I'm gonna put it up, and I, when, I say, when, I, when I tell them to put it up, I'm gonna say ready and read, and I want you to read it with power and clarity, and I want you to apply it to your life, all right, here we go. Ready, read. Go, this is not an option but a command. Go, this is something that's saying, being said from your commander in chief who's reminding you of your rank and his rank. Go, here are the boundaries that you have to work in when you go, you have to teach and to observe and to do all that I've written. You can't even just teach what you want, say what you want, say how you feel, say what you think. It's not relevant. You need to go, and when you go, you're going in His name, not your name. You're going under his authority. You're, you're going as an ambassador of Christ as though Christ was making his appeal through you. You're not going to represent yourself or your family or even your church. You're going as a representative of Christ, but everything in your life is going. That's why in every nation, our conference is called Go because God is trying to get us to go. But the problem with the church is we'd rather stay than go because when you stay, the activity is not about God or others, it's about you. You know I love church. It's so nice in the children's ministry to get a break from my child who's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that the youth pastor fixes my children and oh, I'm so glad to be in a Christian environment that gets rid of the devil and I don't think devilish thoughts when I'm in Church and I'm around his people. They have Bethel coffee that I'm not supposed to bring in the sanctuary, but I do it anyway, and they don't correct me. And I'm so grateful. <sighs> Our playland is coming, and just good worship and preaching, and I just feel so at home. And I just feel good and warm and cuddly. And I'm in a fellowship, and and it's great, and we need to be in a fellowship. But you cannot have a fellowship without first following Christ. Amen. And when you follow Christ, the thing he's going to get you to do is to fish for men, to go make disciples. Disciples aren't born, they are made. Disciples have, the, the, the disciples have to do the work of making other disciples, and that's intentional. How many like good food? How many, like, keep, keep, how many like cooking that's from scratch? Glory to God. <laughs> when a person gets their own flour, own sugar, own measurements, and they just make that thing up right, it just come out and it's good. and me- It's not processed. Somebody cooked that with some love. Uh, love can go into food. But that food was made. The microwave didn't make it. It was made by human hands shape that bread. Let it. What I'm trying to tell you was very intentional. The ingredients went in. It took time and it was thoughtful. It was measured. You have to check a foundation of a person when you're ministering to them. You have to answer all their questions that they have. You have to tell them that he's not a way, he's the way. You have to go through lordship and repentance. You have to go through water baptism Buried with him in baptism and raised to newness of life. You have to go over being uh, 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 baptized in the spirit of God. You have to go over spiritual authority and spiritual accountability and equipping and empowering and launching out to do the same. And all of that is part of the disciple making process that we are to go into the world and to do. So why is it that we have the biggest faith on the planet, but the fewest number of people being mobilized to go? Because perhaps there's worship and there's doubt and there's, instead of submission, there's subtle opposition to the work of God through boycotting doing it. Because if I say I'm in submission and I never see myself participating in the work of discipleship, I am not telling myself the truth. I'm actually lying to myself. And what's happened is I don't view him as a person with all authority. And now I can see why he had to come into the disciples' life and say, I've got all authority. I've got the right to tell you what you should and should not do. I've paid the price to define what your career will and will not be. If I put you on the run, then run with me and for me. If I put you in a prominent place, then be in that prominent place with me and for me. He says, as you go, this term, this term, go, is it's not just go under orders. It, it denotes going with, in context, he's going with him. He said, I will be with you. People want a closer relationship with God than get busy going with him. He's at work is there any sin in fellowship no but if fellowship is the focus over following jesus and fishing for men then the fellowship is premature you need to follow go now every one of us if we think about it jesus has asked me to go out of go from detroit go from this job go to a different city and when other people and i'm thinking about countless people in this church who have been asked to inconvenience themselves and go places that are that inconvenience, but when you go, you go under orders. You don't go as an independent agent and just thinking and doing whatever you want to do. You go as you're led by Him. Yes. That's why you don't have to have fear. What is He asking you to go? So I'm going to end this sermon with asking you a question, and I'm going to read one scripture to you, and I'm going to tell you one story, and it's going to help you evaluate whether you're in submission to His authority or you're in opposition to his authority. Put uh, first uh, my Timothy scripture up there. I'm gonna read this to you real quick. But understand this, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty. Next, for for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having an appearance or a form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. They're in opposition to the will and work of God. Does that narrative fit you? Not the one you want to be, You want to be called a worshiper, but maybe you're stuck in doubt because you're not at work yet. Jesus came to get rescue his disciples who were stuck in Jerusalem, just trying to be okay. Are you stuck just trying to be okay and work it out? And one day when you get it all figured out, then you'll go. Isaiah got into the presence of the Lord, and he began to be aware of his own sinful nature. The closer you get to God, you're aware of how unworthy you are to do the work of God. And he fell down like a dead man. He, he, he began to consider himself unworthy, but he was touched by God. And a question was asked, who will go? And the answer from Isaiah was a submissive one. Here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. It was a submissive answer. It wasn't a form of godliness, but denying the power, which was opposition. It was, here I am, send me. I didn't want to go to Dixon, and they're, they're voting today as a congregation, whether we're going to be open, whether I've been down there multiple times, ministering, you know, but God said, Go. So we're just doing our part you go you don't know pastor dave and i are going to columbia spring hill go now we got about 50 60 people in the loop you know or that or that potential is great we got pastor ricky bowser and 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 pastor dave and the others a team planning a big outreach in um east nashville to properly birth another church we we've got stuff going all all over the place and historically we have planted. We're still in New Orleans planting our church. We're, we're, we're doing things. And you might be saying, well, I'm not going because I'm not equipped. Then come get equipped. Yeah. Come to Bethel Leadership Academy. Come to BSD. Come to Activate. All the students in here and people, you need to be in Activate. That's all y'all over there. Y'all need to sign up for Activate this summer. Use your summer right. Be May 22nd, get in Activate. Or you, or you might be saying, well, I, just, I need something to do right now. Wednesday, Go to winning the life, get it word for your life that you can act on. But everybody has something to do. Stand to your feet. Ponder this question before Pastor Dave comes and pray for you. What I'm saying is, like that song CeCe saying,
1: I'll go, i go. Go, I'll go. If the Lord wants somebody, here am I. Send me. I may be hurting, but I'll go. I may be hurting but I'll go. If the Lord wants somebody, here am I. Raise your hands. Send me. Whisper that to the Lord. I'll go.
2: team i invite you to come forward would you bow your heads and close your eyes just ask him lord where are you sending me you just sang a prayer to him lord where are you sending me if you don't know the lord yet i'd like to suggest to you that if you're seeking him he might be sending you down here after the service is closing or even right now, if you wanna start moving to one of these ministry team members that are down front, they'll guide you through how to settle that issue of Lordship, how to start that discipleship journey. If you already do know the Lord, I I wanna tell you, he's sending you somewhere. It might be across two doors down, it might be down the street, it might be to to another neighborhood, it might be to a campus site, a church plant, it might be On a missions trip, it might be for something greater and and more enduring. If nothing else, it's to reach those around us. So ask him, Lord, where are you sending me? You pay attention to what he brings to mind, because when you ask him a question, he often answers immediately with an image, with a feeling, with a word. And we're so tempted to doubt. But doubt is a temptation that leads us to delay, and delay is a form of disobedience, as we heard today. So we want to instead activate that faith muscle. When we act on belief instead of on doubt, even if it's 51% belief and 49% doubt, we have just acted in faith. That's what faith is. So you pay attention to what he brings to mind. You write it down. You act on it all heads bowed and eyes closed. If you just want to say, Lord, I heard you, and he did speak something to you, just lift one hand up to him. It's an acclamation and a yes. Just saying yes to him. Just saying yes. Hands all over. Yep, I see. (laughs) praise God. He's winning today. Yeah. You follow that call. You follow that call. You follow it. If you want someone to pray with you about that call, I encourage you to come down and pray with one of our ministry team leaders. Of course, pray with someone who's discipled you. Pray with your life group leader or somebody else in your life group. You could pray with any of those, but these are here to pray with you if you have need. Lord, we thank you for calling us to obedience today by the the authority of your word that was enacted in a pen and inscribed on a page and translated for us into our own language and delivered to us in person today by your messenger and your authority imbued in the preaching of the word. We pray that you would help us to act without delay on the calling you are placing on our life to go and make disciples. In Jesus' name.